Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, nice. Okay. Then I'll just put the... Um... This coffee is fucking rowdy, dude. <laughs> it's dry. Sometimes I kind of like a cheap coffee, though, you know? <laughs> How many tablespoons did you put in it, though? <laughs> it didn't work. I mean, like, it wasn't moving in the end. It was just... Just syrup. Yeah, it was proper, man. Um, yeah, here we are. So this is podcast number two. Um, if you miss me so tasty, you have to go and check out podcast number one. I've got the pleasure today of interviewing Drew Wolf, the uh, founder of Cold Source, um, which is all over my Instagram whenever I open it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just wondering if you could give us a quick intro, Drew, like maybe how did you, I, you're, you're from the States, and how did you end up here in London? Yeah, I mean, look, first off, thanks for having me. Um, I have no idea how I got here. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the truth uh, across most things in my life. But, I mean... I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I grew up there and I lived in New York for about 10 years in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I've worked in the creative industries, a little bit of food here and there. And uh, I moved to London about 12 years ago. Um, and I'd say during the pandemic, that's when we launched Cold Sauce. Um, I was, you know, kind of fell head over heels for a lot of fermented stuff. I was reading, you know, uh, Dr. Sandor Katz our fermentation, I was reading the Noma fermentation book, I was, you know, making sauerkraut and kimchi and, and some other hot sauces and whatnot at home, and, and um, I kind of got fixated on, on process and temperature and the irregular nature of fermentation, and, and I started developing a hot sauce that I was really into. And when I was really young and, and growing up in the States, I would work in kitchens, um, oftentimes is like, you know, a fry cook or a porter or whatever, just to get a couple bucks. But I would often be joined there with people that um, would come from other countries, you know, like in, in, if it was in New York or in Cleveland, you'd have Jamaicans, you'd have 
people from China, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of uh, Puerto Ricans, and, and uh, even Ukrainians, and for instance, and and all of them, all of these different cultures would be would have something incredibly spicy, and oftentimes a really straightforward, sort of bright red, fermented bucket of of hot sauce, and it wasn't glorified hot sauce as we know it. It was just something that, you know, like a passed down, really simple fiery thing that would add a bit of uh, uh, funk to, the, to whatever food we had. And I kind of fell in love with that stuff. And I spent some time in Mexico as well. When I was a young man, I was living in Cuernavaca, the, the, the land of eternal spring. Uh, <laughs> that, that's where I find, sort of got a real taste for spicy food. And so when I started like kind of developing cold sauce and, and, and I started understanding the fermentation process, I was sort of fiending for something quite straightforward, that, that bright red banging hot sauce that didn't have a bunch of added fruit or, you know, it wasn't a pickle, it wasn't a chutney, it wasn't a spicy, whatever we call hot sauce these days. It was just a chili sauce. So it was mainly just red chilies. And I couldn't find that anywhere. And so I, I kind of thought, how can I make that really simple red hot sauce, but then using these fermentation sort of techni te uh, techniques, and then trying to find the best possible peppers on this fucking plant. That was my plan. And I had a little bit of extra time on my hands because it was during the pandemic, but we, we worked it out. And uh, so once I'd sort of landed on a, a recipe, and that was like a lot of trial and error. Um, how how and many then, would you say? I Could mean, you count? You know when people ask me how long did it take to work out the recipe, I think I'm still working it out. And I think that, you know, I, I think the variables between one batch and the next are getting smaller and smaller. And I'm still seeing them. It's completely different, but I think um, I think our recipe has stayed almost exactly the same, but some of the methodologies have changed. So temperature has always been a big role in, in how we make it, and, and um, that's essentially where we came up with the name. Is that because we don't cook it, because it's not pasteurized, because I realized a sort of eureka moment when I stopped pasteurizing the sauce and it just tasted so much better. I was like, this isn't fucking hot sauce. This is cold sauce. I'm never going to heat it up. It's perfect. It's, it, was, it was sort of a, a moment where you're like, yeah, this is it. So uh, I guess at that time during the pandemic, when we came up with the name cold sauce, when we worked out the recipe and we figured out how to scale it a bit, um, what became really important for me was to connect to people and to use the hot sauce and the launching of this brand as an opportunity to potentially give back during the pandemic and to get out of my house, to ride a bike and wear a weird outfit and drop people off hot sauce. That was like a really nice thing to do. So we, um, we connected with the Trussell Trust and, and all of the profits and the first handful of the batches just went, went there. And, and you know, we read that, um, that the, uh, was it the, the kitchens um, were actually hit quite hard when everybody was sort of donating to the NHS. You know, some of these things were left aside and, so that's kind of why we chose Trussell Trust at that moment. Um, and that was really important for us. And then also, uh, shortly after, there was the Black Lives Matters movement, um, which is, I guess is still ongoing. But I'm originally from Cleveland, as I said, and we, you know, my family's kind of you know, in touch, and they know uh, Tamir Rice and the Tamir Rice Foundation. And he's somebody who was unfortunately gunned down by the police in Cleveland. And so I just felt like maybe I've got, even though it's a, smite, a tiny donation and a tiny weird voice, Coming out of London, maybe my role for cold sauce early on was just to put a couple bucks together, sell a bunch of sauce, and send it over to those guys. And, and we're talking hundreds of pounds 
uh, not you know hundreds of thousands of pounds, um, but it was just something. It was something to connect, and, and I think that sort of genuine. I guess it was a rare moment to launch a brand and to have a goal that was probably so genuine just to connect and to do something positive that people kind of connected with us and uh, that was uh, the foundation for the brand really about being cold and being kind was sort of that messaging of like why not create a product rather than an entire business that is actually really nice to eat. <laughs> People really <laughs> like it, and isn't uh, you know you know actually wants to contribute positively to society. And um, you know I, I mentioned this before. I work in, in creative capacities in the creative industries, and, and sometimes I work with really big brands, and and oftentimes they can't behave that way. So I thought, why not use cold sauce as a, as a as an example or as a brand where there are no clients, there are no you know overlords sitting above it saying you have to do this or that why not just behave like somebody you'd actually want to hang out with <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no that's a funny way to put it just to behave as somebody you want to hang out with the um one thing i loved on your uh instagram is the baseball cards oh yeah yeah i was uh i should have made them nfts but i didn't know what nfts were <laughs> um yeah i mean the 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 logo and the look and feel of cold sauce actually comes from my dad. He used to, you know, when he was a kid, he worked in gas stations. My family, uh, you know, in, in, in the hood in Cleveland, they had a gas station. And there was these ice machines there, you know, it's like iconic uh, block letters with the ice on it. And that's kind of where it came from. And so there's Americana, as you know, it is like Harley Davidson and all that stuff. But there's also like this industrial American, uh, you know, typography that I'm, I'm in love with and so that's kind of where that's kind of that look and feel came from and then when we started thinking about how to shout about other people within the industry we think are doing great things I kind of tap back into that flow again and think well, what kind of stuff how can I find a format that that shouts about cool people that that uses our look and feel and the baseball cards were exactly that you know like the nice framing of it that a sort of trustworthy, classic, iconic look. I was like, yeah, it's a baseball card. So the, the idea for me was like, everybody spends so much time talking about themselves. What if we use this platform to talk about the people who need the light more than anybody? And for instance, we worked with um, Caitlin, and she calls herself Skateboard on Instagram. She's an incredible food photographer. And I just kind of came across her work because she was out there shooting People kind of like myself that were, um, you know, launched during the pandemic that were doing kind of social enterprises that were, you know, taking their profits and putting here. Or, or she was just saying, you know, I, she could build her portfolio by shooting people in a way. And I just thought, you know, she's, she's fantastic. She's going on a baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as, as awkward as that conversation was, I was like, hey, Kate, I want to put you on a baseball card. She was up for it, you know. And so other people that I had met on this journey, you know, your white Russian guys and, uh, Mystic Borek and, and you know, uh, Ista, all of these people I think are just brilliant, you know, contributors to, to food culture who have a genuine, you know, bright way of, of putting things out there. I was just like, hey, let's, let's, let me use this little bit of shine to put you on a card and, and we could talk about why you're dope. And again, I think people kind of responded to that because it was less like us bragging about By yourself, whatever the, the hell time. we are. Yeah. You know? The um, 
What I've, I've also seen you talk about before is your uh, your journey, as in like starting the day and going going to the market. Could you tell me about that? Man, I love I love the market. The market is like, I mean, I go to New Spitalfields Market, and there's something about I don't know, maybe it's just it's like masochism or something. For one, is usually cold. Doesn't matter what time of the, uh, day or what day of the year it is, but you get in there, it's like four or five in the morning, and then everybody there is whizzing around on these forklifts, and they basically will mow you down if you don't know what you're up to. <laughs> and everybody treats you like a prick. And then you come in, everyone's there, the, the big guys are buying pallets and pallets of peppers or whatever, fruit, and they've got pre, you know, pre-organized deals there, and I come in, I don't, you know, and I look like a weirdo, and I'm, I'm basically asking to smell and taste people's peppers, and they've been there since midnight, and they're towards the end of their shit, and I'm the last person they want to see, so I quite love it, man, and everyone's just like, oh, here comes a, here comes a Colts house guy. And uh, you know, and, and it's also like the last place you bump into anybody you know. Except I always see the, the trap fruits guys there. Those are my dudes. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like it there. So, and, and for me, it's visually, it's it's just stunning. I go and I see different colored peppers and different colored fruit and things I've never seen them. But it's also, you know, as, as corny as it sounds, it's like the tapestry of the city. You know, you see these different cultures, and they're, you know, the food that represents what they buy. And you get to see the ebbs and flows of the trucks that go in and out, and they have, you know, you start to see like the actual a different version of the cultural map of this of this country. Yeah, you yeah. know, like there's a there's quite a lot of potatoes they sell out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, sometimes you see these um, this amazing dragon fruit gets flown in overnight in these styrofoam things. This looks like organ donors or something, and they come in. It's like super expensive stuff, and the guys who buy it, it's just it's it's the best like people watching you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. So I, I usually will go there bright and early, and then I'll have my peppers that I, that I make for the sauce super early, and then um, sometimes I'll go to my, like, a day job, and then in the evening I'll make cold sauce. Um, but, yeah, it's nice. I mean, the guys that, that come and help me, you know, make the sauce, and most of them are close friends, and usually when they see on Instagram that I've been to that, that market, they're all like, oh, God. <laughs> We'll be in the kitchen it's, tonight. It's time. This guy, this guy's on another pepper hunt, man. We're definitely gonna make some more sauce. <laughs> and I you, you, um, you mentioned that you—is is it eighty percent you do direct to consumer? Yeah, I mean, it's—it was initially about fifty-fifty, and then because of the demand and because it, for me it's just—it's just really nice just to go direct to consumer. That's kind of our plan. Um, and we really, really appreciate the, the shops that we work with. We love all of them, and they, they have great offering. Um, but because we are sort of limited, uh, you know, amount of sauce, we kind of go direct to consumer, and, um, and that's how we're building it. And it seems like the industry is kind of moving that way. Uh, but for the, for the handful of shops that we worked with early on, they helped us from a marketing standpoint you know, grow our business. And so that's not something we'll ever sort of take for granted. And I really do think um, there are, you know, these secondary markets and these these marketplaces that exist now that um, are allowing some people to go direct to consumer in way, in that in those ways. But uh, because we started quite early on with that as a, as a bit of a strategy, we're, we're more set up to do that moving forward. And that, you know, I think that's, uh, I think it's nice that way. 
Yeah. You know, I can probably, you can probably wholesale five times as amount, the amount, but if you go direct to consumer, you just end up having, a, you know, they can complain to you right away when the, when the bottle explodes. <laughs> can we talk about the three stars? Well, yeah, that was a surprise, really. Um, when, when did you go in for that? February last year? Or? Yeah, it's weird because, like, a couple people, I mean, I never thought I'd, I'd go for that. And it's not, it's, it's not that I had some major preconceived notion of what the stars mean or the organization behind it. I just kind of thought I was on a different path. And then I think it was my wife who was just like, hey, it costs like 50 bucks. Why don't you just send in a bottle, see what happens? And I, I kind of just did it and forgot about it. And then we got a call like six months later. And, um, and I was speaking to somebody from Great Taste, and, and I, kind of, I literally kind of forgot we'd even done it. And she's like, you know, it's, you've gotten the three stars. I was like, hey, you made my day. And she, she's like, no, we've made your week, we've made your month. This should make your whole year. And I was like, okay, it's kind of a big deal, all right. And, and then it kind of dawned on me, and she's like, sort of gave me the numbers, like, you know, 15,000, 16,000 people had, you know, put their products forward and cross categories, only 2% of them. We'll get the three stars, and in the history of that company, I'm like one of like two or three brands ever who submitted the first product in its first year of it being out and getting the three stars. So I was like, I'm somebody that doesn't need to brag about themselves anymore, but you've given me a whole nother level. Like, So I mean, I guess because I have three stars, I'm like, bang, let's put it on the bottom. But I have, you know, a lot of times I don't even put the sticker on it. So I, I, I think it's really... I think it's been really kind of nice to, to, to kind of qualify some of the reactions that we've had from some of our best customers and, you know, sort of this gut feeling that we're onto something great. Yeah. To have an outside point of view is, is, has been really nice, you know, it's been really yeah, nice yeah. to have that. No, it's, it's, what, it's what everybody's after. If you don't know Great Taste Award, three is, is the maximum number of stars. That's the 10 out of 10. Yeah, I'm sure I have like a, a high school teacher. I could be like, ha ha, look at me now. I've got three stars. <laughs> the, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, uh, you mentioned once that you compared the chilies to the octopus from The Octopus, My yeah, Teacher. Yeah, that's a strange thing to say, but I, I did say that. I mean, I guess it's because like what I tried to do with cold sauce was to focus on the flavor of chilies and anybody that looks at a chili pepper or any type of chili pepper will say "Ooh, spicy and I think that there's so much flavor that happens as well as the heat and so I've been kind of thinking about that quite a lot and, and there's three different types of peppers that we use in cold sauce and our main red sauces so we use a habanero which is your super hot you've got your bird's eye uh, which is sort of a medium one and um, a cayenne pepper which quite fruity and that's sort of our base but it's the blending of those three peppers that give us a certain flavor profile and and the way I say like this octopus thing is that you know when you look at the ingredients list of a lot of my competitors all these other hot sauce stuff, there's quite a lot going on in there but when you kind of strip it down to salt and sugar and a really basic fermentation process and, and you just focus on the best quality you know chili peppers then all of a sudden you've opened up your whole world into the complexity of each one of those individual fruits rather than masking it with all this craziness. And then like, you, you know, by narrowing in on something and, and trying to pull out when it tastes its best, 
ended up becoming my the sort of little section of the ocean with the octopus. <laughs> and so now, like, when I think about the cayenne peppers on my, or the, say, the habaneros, the red habaneros, I know that right now, and this is just me stumbling into the market too many times, I know it's the Spanish season. And I know the Spanish season gives you great-looking red habaneros, and they smell really nice, but sometimes they don't give you as much heat. Whereas the Dutch ones that are grown in some of the greenhouses, maybe, you know, those ones always look the same, always smell the same, and are actually kind of fantastic. However, there's a small window for a French one, and they look like crap, they taste amazing. And so you end up like, you know, the, the, once you start sort of focusing in on any individual one of these ingredients, there's, a, there's an entire world <laughs> that, that exposes itself to you, and you're like, wow. <laughs> uh, if I could become an expert on any little level of this stuff, then the cold sauce will just become better. Yeah, so you you become the alchemist. I guess so. I'm not like that driven scientifically in that sense, but you do you, when you when you find success and you find that actually by looking into something and testing something, you you learn something more. You just start accumulating it, and it just it doesn't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I often tell people like. I could write down the recipe for cold sauce and you could have it on the wall, but it might be very hard for you to make it because when I'm, th when I'm there, the, your, the, you know, it's an amazing thing that happens is that your taste, your smell, the way it feels when you stir it, all of these things are indicators of, of what's happening in that process that helps you understand how much more time it needs to take or, or the way in which you kind of extract the pulp or all these things. And that's sort of your your octopus thing is that you, you the process ends up consuming you and you end up being inside of it to where that all of this information floating around is like you could never pinpoint what it is you just you're part of it you know yeah no I, I that's always what I'm people message me sometimes to ask what what ratio exactly to make their miso and like should I do this or should I do this and I'm my answer is always you need to do both yeah. You need to do the process and yeah. taste both and understand because there's no way of, as you say, like you can read as many books as you like, but yeah, so true. There's, there's nothing for, but doing it that makes it. Sometimes you can do the exact same process and get totally different results, right? Because the, you know, the fermentation gods will sprinkle some craziness in one <laughs> and the other one. And, you know, I sometimes I, I just basically use a big wooden paddle. And when I'm stirring through a, a big barrel of sauce, sometimes you can tell that although these two barrels have been sitting next to each other, although they have the same ingredients and they've gone under the same process, something different's happened. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to need to adjust, the, you know, to, to make sure that it's, it's on point. But that stuff is, is learned over the 1,000 hours, you know, 10,000 hours, however many hours. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And, and I, I don't think in my professional life, I never I was ever afforded the ability to focus on something so uh, finitely. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it was spread out across a bunch of stuff. And, and cold sauce has really kind of allowed me to narrow down, I guess. I would, um, I'd love to taste some miso now with you. No, oh, <laughs> if you feel humor me. Yeah, I'm dying. So, I mean, look, I, I've seen all of your films online. I'm, I'm a big fan of what you do. I think. Um, Miso's just banging anyway, so if you can make very different misos, I'm just so up for it. Where do we start with? I don't know. I'm, I will say I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, um, this is the Merc. 
This is the Muk Misa. Oh, so we're starting at the top. <laughs> so take me through. So this is a uh, take me through from like what happened. You went to McDonald's. So I went to McDonald's and I was trying to think. Obviously, they got a big menu. Um, and I was trying to think what the most iconic thing was. So I bought uh, what two two Smells happy. Crazy. <laughs> I bought two happy meals. Yeah. So this is crazy. two cheeseburgers and a portion of fries. So the reason the smell you're getting is um, because I've put the fries in there. You've got a lot of of the fats, and the fats will ferment to fatty acids, which yeah. is like what yeah. you smell from the blue cheese. Cheese. Um, All right, I've so gone in. So this is two cheeseburgers and a small order of fries. Yeah. And then from there, you're you're taking that, mashing it up. So I'm mashing it with koji, so moldy barley. Yeah. So I've made the I've inoculated the barley with the mold that I bought from Japan. I put it in the incubation chamber. So after a day and a half, the barley's all fluffy. Yeah. Mold, edible mold. And, <laughs> and it's full of um, full of enzymes, which will break down the the happy meal. And then, how long has it been breaking down? So this has been breaking down for six months. In a glass jar. In a in a glass jar, in a kilner jar. Six months. The world was a different place back then. <laughs> well, wish me luck, my dude. Whoa. That is wow. You have to wash it. So this is your side. This is um this is cola bottle. What is that? Cola bottle, like Haribo cola bottles. So that's that's your that's your drink. Get out of here. So let me just before I get into the next one. There is a wild flavor going on in there because it's like Oh my god, I have to try it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. I mean, because there's something there that's like maybe sweet. It's it's got a super um, it's got a super long flavor. Eh? I mean, would you? <laughs> it's such a wild flavor. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay, now these are cola bottles. So these are Haribo cola bottles. So again, I've just mixed with the pearl barley koji. So it's like fifty fifty. Now that's amazing. I would wonder. You could totally taste the cola bottle still. It's strange how the, the, the like artificial cola flavor survives. It really does. Whereas this one just makes you feel like this is the foundation of, of, all, of all food in the world. <laughs> it's like molded from that because you kind of just, 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 yeah, it's like a concentrated madness. Whereas this is like, you could almost put this straight on a cracker with some blue cheese and just run, run yeah, with it. It belongs on a cheese board, yeah, it's like yeah. a chutney. <laughs> this is this I'm is a cruising. I'm taking a sip of my uh, <laughs> my Folgers coffee. Here. This next one is is pizza. Any kind of pizza we're talking about? So this is Santa Maria pizza. I have okay. I've asked them for it without the cheese because again, if you've if you've got too many fats in there, it's the only thing that doesn't Santa ferment Maria. really up. So local to us in in Brentford. I'll tell you what, if you didn't. Tell me it was pizza. No, I tried it. Let me do that for the next ones. Because when you said pizza, I almost like there's like a, there would have been a tomato sauce, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of got that a little bit. There's this. It's weird. There's like initially it's quite acidic, and then at the end you've got like this tomatoey note. Yeah, it's almost like how tomato smells. Mm -hmm. So this Let's is. I won't. I won't, I won't tell you what this one is. Yeah, don't tell me. Is this cyanide miso? 
<laughs> that's the last one. And that's the last we ever saw of this guy. Hmm. I can tell by looking at it, there's got more fat in there. Is that what I'm looking at? Mm. Yeah, the, you get the tamari that sort of pools on the top. Is that like, um, is this your sausage one, though? This is a sausage roll one, yeah. I think, I think you get, like, the, the bread in there, like the kind of... Uh, I can almost, what I'm tasting is fennel, like the spice, the spice mm. blend. It's such a, it's such a like a, a distilled, powerful kind of experience. It's actually really hard to describe. I mean, maybe I'm just not very good at describing, but it's, it is very tasty. You instantly kind of think, what, what would my application of this be? You know, like where would I go with it? If would I put it in like a base of like a freaking pasta or something? Yeah, that might go well actually. Like. Burnt butter, sausage roll, miso pasta. Yeah, that'd be banging. Oh god, you haven't even told me about this. I won't. I won't tell you again. I'll, I'll let you go blind. Different texture on this guy. This one's super. Um, what was I gonna say? It's almost like sticky toffee pudding. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I think that's a mince pie. It's, it's super fruity, isn't it? This is, yeah. um... What is it? So it's waste bread. It's sour, right. sourdough bread. So nice. That's been roasted and then... Um, Why is that? I've got that, like, um... That's, that's Christmas miso, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like it needs to go in, in dessert. Oh, my goodness. They all and look so amazing, like... These two are more traditional. I need to take a picture. These two are more. As in... So I actually sell these on the internet. The others are just experiments. <laughs> this is a badger bean. So it's like a heritage organic British bean. Yeah. So there's a company called Hodmadods who are out in Norfolk and they, they just grow all these amazing British pulses. What's the fibrous thing in there, the beans? Yeah, so I haven't um, minced them. I've just... I really like that. I've just mashed them with the pearl barley. Kind of coffee in a way. I, right. I get like a... Um, Almost like a green vegetable note off this mm. one. I would quite like that. And would you like, I mean, I'm typically, I'm basically miso like, I usually like, you know, I have like your salmon recipes and stuff where I'm mixing miso and soy and mirin and all stuff. And they make like marinades often with miso. Uh, or like, what else do I do? I like eggplants or aubergines. It's good miso dish there. Now he's back this one. Yeah, go for it. What is this guy then? A red bean? This is a fava bean and habanero. Banging. So you still get some of the heat there. Tastes like booze. There will be some. It produces some uh, ethanol while it ferments. Whoa. That's got like a mezcal kind of thing going on. Maybe that's just a habanero. Yeah, I guess because there's more... Because the habanero, there'll be more water in there. Yeah. And if you've got any any excess water, the the wild yeast that are kicking around will. Habanero and what else? Uh, fava bean. Fava bean. You are a goddamn magician. This is nuts. So what? I mean. 
So these two, are, you're selling these guys, and these are more experimental. Yeah, yeah. I have to say this, cola bottle guy was really nice. I don't know why, but it really kind of... It's I think the unexpected sweetness without the actual sugariness is nice. You know, it's like when you ferment fruit, you get the essence of a fruit, but it's not sweet. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, this is madness. I need to take a photograph of all this. <laughs> Unbelievable situation. I'm on a podcast taking a photograph. I don't care unless it's gone down. What is that? Oh, wow. What is your plan for, for all of these? Because, I, I mean, I personally just really like seeing you make them. And I feel like you're quite a good educator, you know? You, when people see the inoculation stage, it's super interesting when you come in and, yeah. Do you have, like, a, a fermentarium kind of thing? Yeah, I have, like, a hot cupboard. So it's nice. like a walk-in fridge, but um, with a heated floor. Funky fridge. Floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. What was it, about 18 degrees all the time? 28. 28? <laughs> it's hot. The mold likes it warm. And then I've just got a humidifier in there, so it keeps it at 80, 80% humidity. Brilliant. So it feels like Hong Kong. Yeah, no, it's, it's got the smog in there and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's brilliant, man. But yeah, I, I don't know exactly where it's going yet. I'm, I, I'm trying to explore. My plan next month is to do four TikToks a day. Yeah, So nice. I'm doing Instagram, but I think I need to... I need to go where the, where the wind is blowing. I think TikTok would be perfect for this. I also like, think, if I, I mean, tasting these, I instantly think I would like to cook with them, but I don't, I'm, I would like to know what I, I should do. I'm not like great with some of the recipes, but I'm sure you've got some stuff up your sleeve. I mean, you were just on that show. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit too wild for them, I think. I think they weren't ready for it, man. But yeah, that's exactly what I need to stop. Well, maybe not stop, but while making wild things out of sausage rolls, I need to also educate on the cooking side and do recipes and show people how to use miso because I find it's... Most chefs I speak to, they'll just have like a, mm. a miso aubergine or they'll know miso soup, but I, most people aren't aware of how versatile miso is and what you can do with it and where you can put it. So I think it's, there's a huge potential there for like... Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff, and it works at such a good base, right? Yeah, it just enhances everything. Wow, man. It's brilliant. It's brilliant stuff. I I would love to steal at least a couple of these. Absolutely. (laughs) The habanero one, bang it. It's my gift gift to you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I don't don't know what the health implications of just eating it with a spoon (laughs) in one sitting. But uh, give it a go. No, it's my pleasure. And um, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day today. I was just really pleased to meet you, man. I think you're one of the, the, the coolest dudes I've, I've met online, man. I mean, it's it's just so impressive that, that you're just sort of forging your own way. I'm really, I'm really, yeah, really excited to see what your next steps are, man. And I wonder if we can work together in a way, you know? Absolutely. No, I was I would say exactly the same to you. You've been. It's been really inspiring seeing how you've grown Cold Source and everything you're doing with it. So I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. There you have it, the legendary Drew Wolf. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.